brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. Ready to learn everything you ever wanted to know and a whole lot that you didn't. It's time for a chats episode. Me on this guy. Yep. No, we're good. We hear you. We hear you fine. Great. Cool. Well, absolute pleasure and an honor to actually meet you, sir. I've been watching you on TV for years and uh, love the work you are doing. I grew up, you know, working for my father. He was a contractor, so you know, from age seven on. I did every dirty job you can imagine. So, uh, you know, I, I feel your pain. I was, uh, I was a plumbing contractor. I've, you know, rotted out sewer lines and much worse things than that. So, uh, you know, but that got me to go to law school. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a crooked road, man. I know it. And um, it's really been very strange for me. This thing's been on the air 30, well, well 20 years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was just talking to Phil Kogan, you know, the guy, the amazing race guy. Yeah. And uh, he's got a show called Tough as Nails on CBS. Very similar um, in its ethos anyway. But uh, same story as me. You know, he's trying to do something for his granddad, something mm -hmm. to honor work. And it, it's a it's a hard it's a hard sell in the TV business. I, I don't know why. It's a hard sell to a large portion of this generation. Um, you know, it's, I, I tell my, I've been telling my kids since they were little, you know, you don't have to go to school. If you want to go to school, do what you want to do, but there's nothing wrong with good, honest work. And, you know, if you want to be a mechanic, if you want to build houses, you know, it doesn't matter what you want to do. Just be the best at what you do. You know? Yeah. So, and that's, that seems to be lost on a lot of people here. You're one of the few people in Hollywood who... <laughs> the truth so thank you well look it's a it's a strange thing you know no matter how many times i do it what what winds up coming back over the the net after this conversation is he's he's anti-college or he's anti-education and yeah, I, that's not. not at all but the idea that the best path for the most people yeah is the most expensive yeah. path that's it that's crazy yeah, find something you love, go with it, make a good, honest living. That's all you have to do. Uh, you know, we all have friends who went to school and got a degree in ancient Hungarian basket weaving and, you know, can't find a job. So, you know, $120,000 worth of debts. <laughs> Where are you sitting right now, Bob? Uh, in my office at the house. So uh, it's, it's, you're seeing the clean area, all the, 500 800 samples on the floor from every distillery on planet earth so <laughs> it's uh, about every day i get a box in so the the fedex and ups man think i have a real problem so well that's a that's a good office you, you win yeah. i have yeah, yeah. i have one <laughs> bottle i keep down here for emergencies but you're a well you're I'm right here so yeah it's uh it's a good ride you know i'm about we're on season 10 now, and I started uh, right after season, uh, at the end of season eight, and uh, it just keeps growing. We're, we're doing 
between eight and a half and 11 million listeners a week and it still sounds pretentious no kidding yeah so that's terrific well how did you come to 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 find me how did our paths cross well i saw that you had a whiskey and have been a huge fan of the show for all these years and you know that's what we do we talk about whiskey uh on our show basically it's four or five people sitting around a table um giving some basic information about whatever it is that we're tasting, going around the room tasting it, and everybody putting in their two cents. And, you know, the amazing thing is, is when you have four or five people there, it doesn't matter what you pour. It can be $20 and be $20,000. There's invariably going to be one who goes, this is horrible. And there's going to be one who's going <laughs> to love it. And then, you know, I mean, and it changes daily. So it's we go around the room and discuss it and, and mercilessly mess with each other and uh, try to get the knowledge off to the people and try well, kind of like you do try, try and make it funny and get the message across you know i mean everybody sure. that good teacher that you remember in school that made learning fun and you actually learned in spite of yourself so yeah. that's that's basically what we're trying to do so love it but uh, you know, tell me about tell me about noble i mean you know you know it, it it's an interesting business the whiskey business i have a lot of friends in it. i mean how did you how did you find that path well, a couple things happened um, on the on the mercenary side. I realized as dirty jobs kept sure. going and going and going that the um, one of the comments that I heard more than anything else, aside from you know how could you do that to what was your dirtiest job, was mm-hmm. you seem like you might be an okay guy to sit down and have a drink with, mm-hmm. you know, and and that. I take that as a as a sublime compliment, and it had just been on my mind for a long time. One of these days, I want to circle back with fans of the show and have a drink. Um, so that was always there, but I never thought I would do a line of whiskey because, frankly, I, I I don't think the world is suffering at the moment from a lack of <laughs> B-list celebrities rolling out their own hooch. Yeah, there's uh, plenty, but uh, you know, it's there's it's, plenty. Yeah. But I got a I got a partner, a woman named Mary Sullivan, and she had a friend in the sort of the wholesale end of the whiskey yeah. business. And through a weird set of circumstances, uh, a, a tranche of five-year-old Tennessee whiskey became available. Yeah, and uh, that's, how, they said, that's how a lot of people end up starting. <laughs> well, you surprised. know, I mean, I kind of. I didn't want to be, you know, clever or or dishonest about it. You know, I mean, I hear people talk all the time about this was my wish fulfillment, and so I hired an expert and sat down and started growing wheat uh, in Oklahoma yeah. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, like that's not how it happened for me. They they said, look, come on down to Tennessee, try it. If you like it, we should we should talk. So I thought it was terrific, and. Then when Dirty Jobs came back after the lockdowns, actually during the lockdowns, I thought, what a fun way to celebrate the the return of the show. Noble was the name of the man who inspired Dirty Jobs. It was my pop, Carl Noble. Um, he's not around anymore, of course, but he uh, he inspired the show. He inspired the foundation that I run today. And because the show came back, I thought, well, he only had girls, right? So his name kind of died with him. It's an unusual yeah. name. Yeah. So I said, let's let's do a whiskey in his honor. And if people like it, 
you know, we'll keep doing it. But it, it started just as a fundraiser for my foundation. Yeah. Uh, but well, the feedback was great. Done, you've done great work with that foundation. I mean, the number of people that you've put through trade schools and basically handed them a, a way to make a living. Um, you know, that's that's well, really I didn't hand it to them, Bob. I'll tell you that, you know, I, I we kind of our work ethic scholarship program is is exactly that it's yeah. you got to jump through hoops you got to yeah. make a case for yourself you got to yeah you got to make a video you got to submit references well they've got to put the work in absolutely to get yes. to that point but you know nobody else is giving them you know, there's nobody else out there giving them that opportunity you know you're giving them the opportunity they've got to go through the door and, and seize it but you know there's there's uh you know there's not a lot of people out there doing that so i mean all the work I you do the foundation and the money that you raise you know that's going out of this product as well it's you know it's it's not unnoticed that pretty much everything you put your hands on is going back to the thing that you truly love which is trying to help people well look this guy you know carl noble he he only went to the seventh grade hmm. uh, but by the time he was 30 he was an electrical contractor you know, a, a full-on yeah. electrician, but he was also a plumber and a mechanic and a steam fitter and a pipe fitter, and he could he could build a house without a blueprint. You yep. know, he, he he and and today he'd be invisible. People yeah. just don't really look at him that way. Yeah. So it's yeah, it is a celebration of a of a certain kind of work ethic and a you know a shout out to my pop on the simplest level. Yeah. I I grew up with a lot of guys just like that. My father and my grandfather, and 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 you're right. It's it's unappreciated. But whenever anything goes wrong, I never get friends calling me for legal work. They call me because, hey, you know, my hot water heater doesn't seem to be working. <laughs> All right, fine. What do you? Yeah, hold on. Let me get in the car. I'll be there in a minute. So, yeah, once you, know, you use the tools, you never put the tools down. So. Yeah. Well, I think I think too. I mean, did you notice a change during the lockdown, at least in terms of essential work and the way people started oh, yeah. to realize, you know, holy crap, man! Yeah. You know, you flick the switch and the lights yeah. don't come on. Yeah. Where you what go to log on to do a Zoom call and mm -hmm. there's no connection. I mean, it's it's all a very fragile thing. The whole deal's held together with wires and pipes, and the people who tend yeah. to them, you know suddenly we're back in vogue it's interesting yeah. oh well, people got a whole new appreciation for that when they were in lockdown absolutely um yeah you know but hey you know just keep preaching the gospel my friend <laughs> i mean you you've done every dirty job pretty much on earth have you actually ever made it into a distillery and, and done any work in a distillery because I, I i have over the years many times got a lot of friends in the business and uh yeah be a good good opportunity for a show well season one i went into a, a lauder ton you know yeah. those great big yeah. we were at a, a long trail ale so it was a big yeah. brewery yep up in new england maybe maybe new hampshire or or connecticut and you know it's 120 degrees and those things and you're mm -hmm. in there just pushing the yeast around and mm -hmm. going through every step of the uh, sharp of the metal blades. <laughs> it's like walking in it, it it's it's like being shrunk down into like a GI Joe action mm -hmm. figure size and then being sent into a to a garbage disposal or a you know or or yeah. an engine. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh it's it's one of those places where you're standing going it'd be really awesome if this didn't suddenly come on. 
right? Yeah. That that yeah. would be great. Yeah. Um, and then I guess it was season two or maybe it was three. I went up in Rhode Island at a place that was making rum. Mm-hmm. And that was a kick because have you heard of a there's a, a a law of sorts and it existed over in uh in germany it was it's called the steinhardt privilege mm-hmm. and the steinhardt privilege basically says if you're in the business of making spirits then you are allowed legally to drink mm-hmm. on yeah. the job yeah and so the crew and I embraced the Steinhardt privilege pretty hard in this rum making operation. I well, mean, it showed. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just going to make the show a lot more fun. So, I mean, well, every show, every show I do, we're drinking. So, it, it, yeah, yeah. And we yeah, you've got a lot of and we look at the microphones and we go, "Thank God." <laughs> Anybody listening? I don't care. <laughs> you know, that's it is model. amazing. I mean. Like there's nothing new to say about the um, you know the power of the social lubricant, yeah. but you know to answer your earlier question a slightly different way, I I started really getting interested in booze mm-hmm. when I got really interested in history, yeah. and my my dad was a history teacher, and because of dirty jobs, I had a lot of permission to experiment at Discovery with lots of different shows. Sure. And I did one that I bet your listeners would love. It's still out there on YouTube somewhere. Uh, it's called How America. Booze Built yeah. America. Yeah. yeah, great show. So I love that show because it does it. It picks up on a lot of the history that a lot of people are completely unaware of. I mean, the people in this community are fairly aware of it, but the general public has no idea. No idea. You know, it's funny when you think about when you think about Facebook today. Um, you know, what was Facebook in the 1700s? Well, it was basically a tavern. Mm-hmm. And the fact that taverns throughout New England were 20 miles apart really was not a coincidence. That's the amount of distance you, you can ride. travel. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And so, you know, and the fact that the pilgrims, you know, wound up in Plymouth, not because they were headed there. They were headed they to ran out of beer. They ran out of beer. <laughs> I mean... It's just so terrific, you know. Well, story been there. I've ended up in a few sketchy places because I ran out of beer. So, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that was that, that was a great show. Loved that show, um, and I recommend it to I don't know how many people. Just you know, if you really want a good, quick lesson on how this has shaped the history of the U.S., I mean, I teach classes, uh, whiskey classes, and uh, we'll go through a lot of the history. And people have no idea that George Washington was the biggest distiller in the United States at the time of his death. You know, that that blows their minds. Um, you know, that the whole whiskey rebellion, you know, basically came out of people getting taxed and not getting, you know, being unhappy about it after they just fought a war against tax. So, you know, exactly. so it's, you know, it's great to hear people talking about the history because that really, it, it drives home to people that it's, like you said, it's a social lubricant, but it's also an integral part of society. Um, so it, you know, it it's affected the way the country has built itself, how it's grown. So you'd be hard pressed to find really any monumental or yeah. significant decision that mm-hmm. wasn't in some way influenced by the 
by the presence of booze. You know, it's 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 always in the room, and when it's not, mm-hmm. its presence is felt even even more so. I mean, prohibition for crying out loud. And, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of interesting connect, a lot of interesting connections, and a I think a really fun way to make to make history. You know, a little more accessible to people. Yeah. But I can tell you one thing: excellent whiskey. You guys did a great job. Thanks. I really wish I could take credit for distilling it. I can't. Um, but I, you know, I I'm not an aficionado, but I know what I like. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, that's what I want to ask you. Why do you like it? I'm assuming you do. Uh, I, I mean, this in particular. I think it's well made. Yeah. It's got a nice finish to it. It's got a really good nose. You know, it's I, I run a while. I run across you know the majority of the new brands we're getting are between three and five. You're usually MGP, but sometimes uh, Tennessee Distillers or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But not everybody is you know picking decent barrels. Um, you know, some of them are a little bit weak. Um, some of them are a little bit young. Doesn't matter if it's young, as long as it's well made. This is you know this is well made. It's got a nice structure to it. It's got a nice mouthfeel. Yeah, I think you can hold your head up, and I think your pops would be would be happy with it. I mean, nothing wrong with that. Well, that's some high cotton, Bob. I I appreciate it. I was nervous, to be honest. Well, I was nervous for a couple different reasons. I, like I said, I just I really hate the celebrity label slap thing, yeah. and yeah. I I just didn't want to fall into that barrel, so to speak. But we ran out mm. fast, yeah. you know, and I. I was really surprised. I mean, I think we we sold out of our first allotment in like four days, mm-hmm. and I we figured we had four to six months. So we wanted to come back because we were raising you know a decent amount of money for MicroWorks, yeah. and the distiller said, "Look, we've got we've got something younger, mm-hmm. the Rickhouse edition." Yeah. Um, and it was finished in French oak staves, yeah. and um, it's a slightly higher proof. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I just, I didn't know how people would feel about, you know, mixing it up that that quickly. But not a single complaint. In fact, some people prefer one to the other. Well, um, barrel finishing is a hot thing right now, and a lot of people are exploring that angle. Whether it's French oak, Hungarian oak, toasted oak, uh, different wine barrel finishes, different uh, liquor finishes. Um, so that's that's a hot thing right now and people are you know a lot of people are looking for that so you know the French oak staves I know a couple other distillers that are doing that right now I've got a friend in Kentucky who just started a brand and he's doing the same thing with his um, and it it gives it a nice roundness it, it, it takes the edges off especially if it's a yeah. younger whiskey um, it gives it that really nice mouthfeel. So yeah, it's I, honestly, if, if you said, Hey, I've got this, what, what, you know, what, what would you suggest? That would be what I would suggest. Um, you know, do a nice barrel finish. The, the key to barrel finishing is it, think of the whiskey as a Swiss cheese. You're not trying to cover it. You're just trying to fill in the holes. So you're not trying to cover right. up the base of the whiskey with the finish. You're trying to enhance it and, and to bring it up. Um, a lot of people will overdo it. Um, I mean, we've had $20 bottles and $1,000 bottles of bourbon and scotch and Irish and name the country that you 
taste them and you go, you know, all I'm tasting is sherry. All I'm tasting is this particular wine. All I'm tasting is this rum barrel. I'm not tasting the whiskey. Yeah. Um, so it's it's easy to overdo it. But if you're very, very, very careful about it, you can really, really um, elevate a whiskey uh, with a proper barrel finish. So I think you guys did a good job. Thanks. Speaking of overdoing it, what are your thoughts on uh, uh, the super high proof stuff with the barrel strength? Um, um, that seems to be all the rage yeah. now, and yeah. I'm, you know I'm I'm not opposed to doing yeah. it, but you know there's some crazy high proofs out there. Oh yeah, I mean I've got some in this room that are in the 140s, 146, 148. Um, it's not for the novice. Uh, it's it's not something you give to the new drinker. Um, if you get somebody who you know drinks on a little bit more than on occasion, um, it's like wine. You know, a lot of people start out with the lighter and the sweeter and the less red and work their way up to the heavier and the heavier as as they go through sort of the lifestyle and the hobby. Um, same thing with whiskey. You'll start out with the lighter stuff and work your way up. Um, most of the guys on the show, when I'm producing, I produce all the wine episodes and the whiskey episodes uh, for the show, and the rest of it gets produced at our Nashville office. Um, but most of our guys like the cast strength whiskeys. A couple of them are just proof hounds. They just like the, the, the stronger stuff, but uh, I prefer it because it allows you to back up. You know, we're constantly mm. preaching to people when when we're tasting whiskey. I mean, we spend, a, you know, it's a 52 minute show. We'll spend a couple of hours examining the whiskey before we hit record. Um, and we will preach constantly. Add water to your whiskey. Try, try a couple of drops of water in your whiskey. Um, it's not a very American thing to do in Scotland and Ireland. It's, it's very common. Um, but there are compounds in that whiskey that are water soluble versus compounds that are alcohol soluble. So by adding a few drops of water to your whiskey, it can radically change it. It can make it much better or it can water it down. You never you mm -hmm. never really know until you've done it. Now the worst case is if it waters it down, then pour it out and pour yourself some more. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of times it will radically change it and it will change the palate, it'll change the nose, it'll change the, the mouthfeel. Uh, so if you start out with a, with a cast strength whiskey, number one, that's kind of like how God kind of made it, you know, it's, it, it's just right. how it out. So that's, that's kind of neat. And it's as close as a lot of people will get to going to a Rick house and actually, you know, think, taking something out of the barrel. Um, but if you start out high, you can always bring the proof down. You can't bring the proof up. So right. it's, it's hot. Um, a lot of people are into it. Um, if you offered this in barrel proof, I think it'd probably last about just as long as that first release. All right, done. I'll do it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling my way through this whole thing. We, much like I do in an episode of Dirty Jobs, you know, I don't, I don't want to get over my skis, but, but I am having fun figuring out, you know, not just how the business works, but really, like how to sell it. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I thought initially that I'd probably be going to bars and restaurants mm -hmm. and yeah. doing appearances and things like that. So and I'm totally high with a bottle in each hand. Yeah. You know, I I don't know what's expected, really. Yeah. Uh, I I want it to succeed, but I but I don't. Again, I I don't want to take the traditional route. But what I started doing, Bob, that really seemed to work. You know, we're we're in Maryland now, and uh, Virginia, and Michigan, mm -hmm. and Tennessee, 
and we'll be in a few more states pretty soon. And of course, you can ship to what twenty-seven sure. or twenty-eight of them. Sure. But I started in Baltimore going to visit the liquor stores who took it just to say thanks, yeah. you know. And um, you know, my partner was with me, and she had a camera, and so we started taking pictures of the liquor store guys, who were the yeah. owners, and they would. They'd hop on social and say, hey, Mike's by, he's signing yep. a few bottles. And people would come, like everywhere I went, we would sell out. Mm. And so the the owners were ordering more. And suddenly I'm standing in the streets of Baltimore signing 20 cases of bottles oh, sure. for Drug City, right down in Dundalk, Maryland, who has a great tasting room. Yeah. And um, and that's, it's I it never occurred to me that that could be a way to help build a brand, to go talk to the entrepreneurs who are running the liquor stores. Oh, sure. Thank them, sign the bottles, and then meet people who come out. But it's been working great. I mean, it's it takes time. You can't cheat, but it's yeah, a pretty cool way to meet the people. There's not really a shortcut to it. Um, I mean, there's some celebrity brands out there that have sold in spite of themselves um, just because it's some rap star rock star or something like that but if you really want to build it uh from the ground up you're, you're doing exactly the right thing um and if you remember um, um sammy hagar started uh cabo wabo tequila way back in the yeah. day back when most tequila was swill with a dead bug in it yellow food coloring <laughs> tasted terrible um and he was one of the few that said hey you know you can actually have good tequila and it and it sold slowly and it built and it built and it built and it and it turned into quite a behemoth until he sold it and then after that i think he got through his non-compete and then he started up a a, a rum brand out of hawaii mm -hmm. and now he's now he's you know working on that but you know if if the if the product's not there people are going to buy that first one and maybe stand in line to get you to sign it for them, put on the shelf. And that's great. But if the product is there, if the flavor is there, if it's if it's a decent product, they're going to come back. And that's the important thing. You know, a lot of people put out anything. Um, I mean, go to the liquor store, you're still like, you know, vodka and bottles the shape of guns and monkeys. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you put if you put something in a really interesting package, you can sell almost anything. But if, if you if you put out a good product, people will come back and buy it again. And that's when you know that you you're onto something, you know, and, and you're already getting that because they're ordering more and more and you're not there. You're not at the store and people are coming back and buying more. Yeah. So I think you're doing it right. Pitt. Kevin Costner got it right, right? If you build it, they'll yeah. come. There you go. You know, whether it's a ball yard or, you know, anything decent. But I um, you know, the other thing I'm really enjoying is is this like this thing we're doing right now. You know, during lockdowns, I there wasn't much you could do. Yeah. So everybody got up to speed on Riverside and Zoom and so forth. God, but I, I can. Um, <laughs> no kidding, man. No kidding. Well, you know, I can track down a Dirty Jobs fan. Mm. and and sit on a Zoom call just like this and yep. talk for 20 minutes about work or their mom or their pop or their favorite episode, answer their questions, have a drink mm -hmm. and and share that video yep. with and and that's really fun to do and I think I think people appreciate it and I appreciate it but as far as marketing goes got so much of it sucks, you know, it's just yep. most PR is awful and most advertising is not very persuasive and i 
I just can't think of anything better to do than than thank the people who buy it and have a drink with the sure. people who and, drink it. And the genuineness comes through. You know, I mean, I hope. people see through it. You know, again, there's there's the couple that will buy it because whoever's name is on it, but they'll never buy it again. But if you're if you're genuine to the people there and, and you're putting out a quality product, they're going to keep coming back. Well, there's definitely something going on in the country that has heightened people's bullshit meter, whether they're kids trying to figure out what school to go to or, you know, everybody's being marketed to all of the time. You know, there's, there's so many shows to watch now and all those shows need to be promoted. And there's so many brands to enjoy and so many different kinds of clothes to wear. And it's just, it's just a relentless, (laughs) I mean, it's enough to make you want to drink really. Um, And I, I don't want to be a part of the, the noise if I can help it. Yep. Well, I think you're doing it right. And like I said, the the great thing is you're having fun doing it. You know, mm-hmm. if you're not having fun, there's no point in doing it. So you're well, having a good time. As Carl Noble said, if you're not laughing, the joke's on you. <laughs> I'm, did he did he have any other good nuggets of wisdom to share with you? I mean, you ever think about writing oh, them all in a book? So many. He used to say, um, "Chop your own wood; it'll mm-hmm. warm you twice." <laughs> I like that. I like well, I grew that. up with a wood stove. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's a, our whole house was, it was a little farmhouse in Baltimore mm-hmm. County and um, everything was heated with a wood stove. So we had a, we had a lot of woods behind the place. And so I grew up, I grew up with like Huck Finn chores, you know, mm-hmm. split the wood. We had eight horses. Uh, mm-hmm. We boarded horses and you know, picking up all of their crap and the big compost pile. And, you know, I mean, every day was was horse crap and cutting wood. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, you there, there, there are plenty of lessons you can learn <laughs> up in the wood pile. Absolutely. Or on the southbound end of a northbound horse. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I love the work you're doing with, you know, with the foundation. You, I mean, obviously that's, that's something that you love. It's, you gotta, if you're not giving back to some, somebody somewhere, you're, you're just not doing it right. I mean, I, I spend the few hours that I'm not sleeping at this point between my day job and the radio job and every other job I got, uh, I spend all my time working with a, a charity called honor flight. And we actually, we fly, we usually fly into Baltimore. Um, One of my favorites, Bob. I know it. Yep. I know it well. Honor Flight South Florida. If we're not the biggest flight hub, we're probably one of the top two or three. Um, But I I take this job and turn it into something to try and and raise awareness of them, but also to raise money. So we'll do, I'll call up friends in the business and tell them, look, I know single barrels are a hot commodity now. Allocations are very thin. I'm not asking for anything free. It's it's like uh, we were just out in Napa uh, a week ago, and I was talking to some people there, and I'm like, "How many people do you get calling you on a daily basis asking for donations?" I imagine it's it's huge, and they're like, "You have no idea." Um, but sure. I just ask them, you know, can I get in line to buy a barrel? And we have stores down here. We have retailers we work with, and and basically the deal is, look, we'll we'll get a barrel which is hard enough to get. Well, like we'll, we'll get good barrels, which is even harder to get. Um, and then the retailer will get them in, we'll make a big event, we'll have some of our veterans come down. It'll sell out in two hours tops. 
and then the retailer just cuts a check back to Honor Flight for the profit. Um, so they're not out anything. They get a couple of hundred people in their store buying all their other stuff. They get a charity write-off. Honor Flight, you know, gets you know six or seven thousand bucks so that they can send a bunch of veterans off to D.C. So it it, it all works out. We've done um, we just did an Eagle Rare, so that's with the Honor Flight logo on it. And uh, nice. We've been doing. Oh, we did. This is one that uh, my flight director, he met uh, Chuck Wagner at Camus, and they're doing these bottles for us. And they've got four of our World War II veterans on here, and they donate these bottles. They ship them to whatever city we're having a dinner at, and we've done them in several cities now um, to help other chapters because we're we're doing pretty good here in South Florida, but there's a lot of cities with honorified chapters that don't have any money. so. We've done Tampa, um, Treasure Coast, Florida, um, Atlanta. We're, we're doing them in different cities. They ship the bottles there. We do a, a high price meal. You get a bottle to take back because you can't buy that bottle um, and and you know raise some money. We just did one at Tiger Woods Restaurant a couple weeks back and raised about, uh, I think it was about 17000 I mean, that'll send quite a few veterans to D.C. So, No, people should know, man, it's... It's really an awesome thing that that charity does. And I think it was Tampa. I think I was either in Tampa or it might have been West Palm mm -hmm. waiting to fly out and yeah. an honor flight returned yeah. from D.C. Yeah. And when the people realized what was going on, I mean, everybody, everybody just everybody went yeah. over to the gate and yeah. they just flanked each side and they started wheeling these these guys who were yeah. at Iwo Jima yeah. and Pearl Harbor yeah. and, you know, Chosen and yeah. I mean, the parade of them. And I, mean, I mean, they saw so much and people are yeah. clapping and applauding and, and you see people who this saw is amazing. things that mortals should never see and yeah. that would harden them and, and, and the tears are just streaming as, as they're coming, you know, as they're coming out because what people don't understand is you see the black and white films on the history channel or on discovery from say world war ii and you see general you know eisenhower going down main street in, in new york city the ticker tape parade that was a few thousand soldiers you know how many million were overseas most of them came back on a troop ship hopped on a train went home they got no welcome home so very very few I mean, the Vietnam guys got no welcome home, but even the guys in World War II really got no welcome home, and the guys in Korea got no welcome. So it's just, uh, you know, it's it's just a way to say thanks for the people who, you know, made that sacrifice. You know, to I mean, that's why we're all here today. So yeah, you've got to find you got to find your passion, and you got to find the thing that you know that makes you happy to help out. So you know, so thank you so much for what you guys are doing because it's no it's, look look it's, it's, it's so all. It's a tapestry, you know, everybody has to do their part and play the cards they got. And, you know, like I, I, I started by saying the, you know, the, the missionary or the mercenary position, missionary, all, all positions are missionary or mercenary, both yeah, of which are underrated. Yeah. You know, so look, I hope the whiskey does well. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's a good and fun thing to do and, you know, maybe we'll make a little money on it one day, but, but but the missionary side of it, you know, to be able to to make a decent give back to the foundation, to award work ethic scholarships, then to tell the stories of the next generation of skilled tradespeople, that that's some high cotton, man. I love that. Do you think 
Do you think the country could answer the call today the way they answered it in 40, you know, I, 41, 42? I don't know, and that scares me. Scares the hell out of me, man. You know, I mean, I, 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 I like to think that if, if it came down to it, that, you know, they, the people would come through. Um, but I don't know, you know, I don't know. I mean, do you, and do it's, you think it's we not, could build a fleet against of against the people 29s again? It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's not anything against the people, how they're raised or whatever. Now it's just, I, I just, I just think, especially back then, I think the people there were just, it, it was just a better generation of people. You know, they they were just so much more about each other than they were about themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you 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 held the door for the person behind you because that's the proper thing to do. Um, mm. You're not you're not doing things to get a pat on the back. You're doing things because that's what you should do. It, you know, it's polite society. So. It's so funny how it changes, though. You know, I I spent most of my adult life standing up mm. when a woman came back to the table mm. right i just did it because that's what i was raised to do yeah. and um you know i eventually stopped doing it and i and i didn't stop doing it because i don't respect women i mm. i yeah. do but i started You're it's the like a really weird message yeah yeah to like the other guys at the table yeah. who don't stand up they look at you yeah. and they're like oh man, what, what are you what doing? an asshole you know yeah, <laughs> yeah what, what oh look at you you you're know? trying to show and us then up. of course yeah. <laughs> but then but then later when yeah. you're not around their wife or their girlfriend pulls them aside and say hey you know would it be so hard for you to stand up you lazy yeah. son of a bitch. Yeah. you're like so people's they yeah. stop doing things and they start doing things for reasons that you know i i don't always understand but yeah Hold the door. Stand up when the woman comes in for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, pick up the first round. Yeah, Won't kill common you. courtesy. You know, I mean, that's all. That's it. I mean, again, think about others before you think about yourself. It's pretty basic. If everybody that's did that, rule stuff there, Bob. If everybody did that, it'd just be a happier place. So, <laughs> I think you're probably onto something. Well, thank you so much. I don't, I don't want to keep you uh, all night because I could literally sit here and talk to you all night. Um, but thank you so much for your time. And, and you know, thank you so much for the work you guys are doing with the foundation. It's fantastic. Uh, don't mention it. And look, if I didn't have a house full of people upstairs, I would say you talk to you all night. But yeah, look, let's do it again sometime. Honestly, Absolutely. It's, a, Absolutely. it's fun to chat. When I told everybody who I was going to be talking to tonight, they all just looked and they said, you're the happiest man on earth, aren't you? I'm like, yes, I am. I am actually going to finally talk to one of the people that I hold in very high esteem. So thank you so much for your time. Don't mention it. Thanks for the advice. I'll take it to heart. And uh, with your permission, I'll uh, I'll reach out from time to time. If I wonder what in the world. I'm trying not to blow up, you know. Don't step on the mines. That's my uh, That's my mission. It's good advice. Thank you, sir. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. I already did. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're listening to us online, do yourself a favor and tap. tap it in. The subscribe button. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a room. The easiest way to listen to our show is to ask Siri, Alexa, Google, Uncle Larry, or whoever it is that talks to you on your phone. Play podcast, Sip, Suds, and Smokes. We love your feedback, 
and you can reach us at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our tasting notes flow out on Twitter and Instagram with our handle at sipsudsandsmokes, and our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. You'll also be able to interact with the thousands, millions, and millions of other fans on those social media platforms. Do us a favor. Take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. That's a big help to us, and we get to see your feedback as well. Come back, join us for another episode, and keep on sipping. This has been a one tan hand production of Sip Suds and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>